Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's Friday night. It's 6 p.m. Live from Manchester, where past glories are never far away. Manchester United have reached the promised land. History is made. Manchester United are the champions of Europe again. Sitting here looking for an opening. It's Dick off again. From the world's best footballing city. Call now 0345 treble one seven six two five and have your say. The Excess Manchester Football Social winning with Gowing Law. Nothing like a little bit of chaos to kick off your Friday evening. I'm Jim. This is the Excess Manchester Football Social. Good evening. It is where City and United do battle every single day of the week. Here. It is always Derby Day. But those club passions, they've got to be quelled for the time being slightly because we're in the middle of the international break. England are continuing their preparations for the World Cup in Russia with a friendly against the Netherlands tonight. And we'll be talking to ex-City defender and proud Dutchman Michel Vonk a little bit later about the game and about his time at City as well. Plus, I want to talk about some work that's going on here in Manchester to solve the refereeing crisis and potentially... Make refereeing a better place for everyone. We'll get into that a little bit later as well. We're here to chat about that and so much more. As always, we've got Manchester United legend Mickey Thomas. Evening, Mickey. Evening, Jim. It's Monday when you normally get it wrong on a Friday. (laughs) And we're talking about um, international football tonight, but you're already getting worked up about the prospect of Man City versus Liverpool in the Champions League. You're desperate for Liverpool to lose. Well, I, I think, you know... You know, my feelings towards them. <laughs> I, I think City, I think they've got the advantage away from home, so that for me will be their advantage. I think they'll qualify in the next days, they really do. I'm sure we'll talk about that plenty in the coming weeks. But next to him, instead of Gio, Gio's off on holiday. More holidays than Thomas Cook, that man. We have Paul Lake, City Hall of Famer. Evening, Lakey. Hey, Jim, you OK? Very well, thank you. Right, let's get stuck into this. If you want to get involved, 0345 7625 is the phone number. 87711 is the text number. And I want to start off talking about England tonight because I want to know, is this the worst England team that you have ever seen? 0345 
7625. The reason I want to ask this question particularly is because I was looking at the game tonight, England versus Netherlands, and I was remembering... I'm well, so the only man you can ask is <laughs> You can join in, Nick, Nicky. I'm sure you can agree with me. Um, I was thinking about when I'd seen England play, and when I've enjoyed watching England play, and for me, the pinnacle of being an England fan, the one game I remember above everything else, was England beating Netherlands in Euro 96, 4-1, with mm-hmm. Shearer and Sheringham up front. And I looked at the team that's playing tonight, I looked at the squad that's there for England and went, this is just an uninspiring team. The players that we have to choose from are either out of form, not playing for their club, injured or just not very good. And I'm struggling to get excited by the team that we can potentially put out tonight. So, Lakey, I'm going to start with you. You've pulled on the white shirt of England in your time. Do you look at that Three Lions squad and get excited? Well, I actually do, Jim. I do because... I still believe that there is a potential in this team that will surprise a few people. I honestly think that people are, and it's probably going to help Gareth Southgate. Everyone's going to play down that. Yeah, the fact that his his uh, his run record over the last was it thirteen, fourteen games hasn't been that inspiring. Obviously, no. playing against Brazil and Germany. A the couple results of times. have been okay, yeah. though, haven't they? It's just yeah. the performances that have been. But I think nah. at the World Cup, so, something else happens. I mean, in in, in time in. In terms of being able to get the squad together has been difficult. And obviously trying to embed this 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 back three formation and make it work and have the players around them. I mean, certainly when you when you've got Harry Kane fully fit, Deli Ali fully fit, you know, Raheem Sterling potentially, when you've got players like you say that are playing with form and are playing well, like like Marcus Rashford, you know, everyone, you know, wants Marcus Rashford to be the best that he can be. And he's not playing regular football. And that is you're right, that is the frustration. But I just feel that there's there's a lot of potential in this team and, and, and I like the fact that the majority of the press are writing them off because that's the best way to go about it. I think there will I think there'll be a lot of surprises. There'll, there'll still be one or two hiccups along the way. But I think if this team gets it right, there, there's more excitement in that team than you give it credit for. I suppose well, Nicky, I'm surprised you the Welsh team I mean, being the underdogs before. I, I think it might not just be the players that's the problem. It might be the manager it might not be good enough to to get them to play to the level that you're talking about, Paul. Um, well, maybe, maybe. You maybe. know, that, that is a possibility. But you're right, the negative is he can work in your advantage, no question about that. Yeah. I, I, and I agree with that, Paul. Uh, the, the thing is about England, they never really do it when they get to a final, do they? They don't in 66, we know about that, we never get, forget about <laughs> that. never but, allowed to forget about that one. <laughs> but, but can I ask you a question? Why do they seem to fail? And well, I know Iceland knocked them out in Barrys, mm. don't forget that one as well. Why do they seem to, you know, not get it right at the final? But you know something, mate? It's like your your time and, you know, obviously playing international football and, and playing at a very, very high level is that you learn from those mistakes and you build upon that. And I think that this squad, I mean, they've learned, there's young players in there, but not that young. And they've got lots of experience. But I think there comes that point in your career where, you know, it, it's now or never time. For, and, and even though, I say, even though Deli Ali's young and Harry Kane's young, I think this World Cup is the opportunity to really light it up. I mean, so I said, for but instance... We said that but, before, like, no, you're playing you against, that so but, No, but Jim, I mean, look, for instance, look at the Holland team there. Now, that's the Holland team you're thinking, well, it's not bad, but it's not... It's not, by the same token, it's not scaring your pants off. It's not like you're sort of like Van Nistelrooy or a Bergkamp playing or those kind of players. They've not got those players either. And let's not forget as well that, I mean, times have changed in terms of how, how international football is. 
Not many teams are as open as they used to play. When England played against Holland, it's a very open game. You know, and it was end-to-end stuff, and that, that isn't happening these days. So even looking at the, at the group stages now, mm. there's teams you know are going to be very narrow, very organised, very physical, very compact. There's not going to be three and four nils in games. Even Argentina and Brazil and Germany are not going to absolutely dominate teams. So it's going to be a case of, you know, being organised, being, being disciplined, and then those key moments. And that's when you've got a Marcus Rashford and you've got Raheem Sterling. Yeah, they might run up their own backsides, but they've got that spark about them. And Harry Kane is your Alan modern-day Alan Shearer. He will score goals if you give him a chance. I, I'm quite positive about that but team. But you think, Paul, and to Jim as well, you know, you look at the oppositions you know, in, in that competition and, and obviously in the finals, you look at Messi and you look at Ronaldo and, you know, they've all got great players. You look at England and you might say Kane at this moment in time, but he might not even make that starting level. He might not even play in that tournament. I, I think it'd be fair. I also think that, you know, if you're looking at... The, the, the frustration for us all is that if Jack Wilshere would have been given the chance and obviously been st- and stayed fit, he could be that, that number 10, that number 6, whatever. You know, whatever you want to play him, but that central midfield player, that, that would be your driving force, playing forwards, that, that creativity... And he's just, he just can't stay fit, can he? For me, these conversations are the conversations we have before every single major tournament for England. It's the what ifs, it's the potentials. And Jack Wilshire is the perfect example of that. A player well, what's the always... alternative, Jim? Is that, oh, well, we're going to fail again, you know? And there's that actually. How does, how does that work, though, if you say, oh, we're going to get stung again, we're going to get well, we're not good enough? And how does, that, how does that create any positivity either? So, you know, you've always got to go with your glass half full. And the thing is, we're never going to be favourites anymore. So that'll also work I've, in England's favour. Have you favorite. seen, though, Paul, in the games and. You know, Jim, know what I'm going to say is that from previous games, the last two games, have you seen something that say, yeah, this is an England team that really are going to go there? I haven't really seen that. I'm obviously a Welshman, of course, but what the games have seen, uh, what last two games, they haven't thought, oh, this is a team that's going to go all the way. But I'm just hoping that, and again, I'm being positive, glass half full, but yeah. if this team were all, you know, at their pinnacle, playing at their best or was close to it, and, and that, that, that group being really galvanised to do that, there's no end to what, what they could achieve. And like you say, you're looking at Germany and players of that and teams of that ilk. There's an expectation in for those clubs as well, which is more than ever now. You know, Brazil and Argentina and Italy are, are far in advance of us in terms of where they think we are. So I think that'll, that'll work in our favour. And you've also got a lot of massive egos, even in that squad, mm. who, who will want to overachieve. And my frustration as well is the fact that England team is never able to get together long enough. And then you're playing with the three as well. And you've got one or two players like like Gomez, for instance, could be it could be decent, but has he played enough football? You know, especially at international level. So there's one or two question marks, but I still remain quietly confident. I'm not overly confident, but I am. I, I think I'm, I am positive. I do have a concern about the amount of match time that players have. There's young players like Gomez and there's... I think I counted up the squad. I think I counted five players that are first-team regulars for that team. And yeah. that's how a squad of 23, which is a real concern. And maybe it's up to the players to go and find first-team football if they're not getting it at a club level. Let's go to the phones. If you want to get in touch, 0345 is the phone number you need to call. Ollie's on the line. Evening, Oliver. You all right? You all right, Jim? How are you? I'm good, mate. Uh, so, England, how are you looking at it? Are you hopeful? Are we going to win the World Cup? <laughs> L- listen, I don't think we're going to win the World Cup, but I actually agree with nearly everything that's been said tonight. When we actually break down the players individually, we actually ha- we have good players with a mix of very good players in there. You know, if we look at Kyle Walker, he's one of the best fullbacks in the world, playing one of the best teams in the world. You got Raheem Sterling in that same squad. We saw what Rashford would uh, has done uh, against Liverpool, and Harry Kane is maybe one of the best strikers in the world. So it's most certainly not doom and gloom in terms of the players we've got. But my issue is that what's already been said tonight it is the manager. I mean, 
they're very improving at interna- improving at international level and doing it at the World Cup, pulling out of the bag there, it's, for me, it's not likely to happen. So I think we've got the players, but whether the managers get going to get the best out of them, it's, I'm not sure about that. I think with Southgate, I was looking at it and I think he's played 12 or 13 international games now. He's been in the post-18 months. And I look at it and go, what impact have you had as international manager at this stage? Would you expect, Lakey, that he should have made put his mark on that England team by now or has he done that i think he, i think he's done that but again we're not in that squad we're not we're not sat in the change rooms in that camp so we really don't know what impact he's had on those players but you get a real sense that i mean i've been in, in Gareth's company i've been in Phil Neville's company recently at the england headquarters and you do get a sense there's a real positivity about it and a real inner confidence and an inner calm as well so i think it's in in a in quite quite a strong place and and I th- again what one thing i say about Gareth Southgate is he's honest about himself but he's always learning and I think he's learned a lot from about things that have gone particularly wrong over the last 18 months in, in terms of trying to put it right and there were those key moments especially at a, at a World Conference. Paul come across to me as, as a man that can really be you know that aggressive in that midfield in, in that dressing room I should say Jim you know when he's in that dressing room and things are going wrong I don't see that in his you know in his demeanor I don't see I don't know well, yeah, well, you, you might, might disagree be, with me you might be I'm, surprised I'm not though against it. I just don't think he's a man to lead you to the finals. Really well, we all saw his under-21s speech that he gave in the dressing room when they went on and won. I can't what tournament it was. I think it was the under-21s yeah. European Championships. And it was it was an uninspiring, motivational speech. It was quite low-key. But do players always need that? Do they always need a manager to go and shout at them? Well, you know, I, I just feel, Zoe, it's those one, one-to-one conversations that are the most important, you know, in around the camp at the time and, and speaking to individuals and, and getting them to be inspired by what they can achieve. And that's where Gareth is good. Those one-to-one conversations, you know, he's very, very good. And we know that and we've seen that. And he has got those interpersonal skills. But like you say, in terms of a Churchillian speech, he's not really got that in his locker, <laughs> to be fair. But not many men have, to be fair. Ollie, so go on. You don't trust Southgate particularly. If you're England manager, you've got that squad of players. Because I think you look at that 23 and it probably is the best English 23 players you can get. It kind of picks itself. Who's in your starting 11 tonight? Um, well, I'd go for Nick Pope and because he's in full form. Uh, probably, I don't know what, I think you posted something on your Twitter last night, and apart from Henderson, who I think is absolutely useless, I, I would go for what you tweeted, so you got a front line of uh, Rashford, Sterling, and Kane, not Kane, Vardy, um, Ali, and then you got at the back, uh, Walker, Danny Rose, Maguire and Stones. You can't really yeah. go wrong with that. It's a solid team. Everyone's in, in the right position. And, you know, if you give them a little bit of freedom, they've got a bit of an organisation, that they can do a bit of work. Nice one. Cheers, Oliver. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Thank you. If you want to get involved, 0345 1 is the number. 87711 is the text number. Ollie's picking Pope in goal, who's had an amazing season, Nick Pope, up yeah. at... Burnley, but that is a concern as well, isn't it? The goalkeeping situation. You've got four goalkeepers all in that squad, and they'd all make a decent case for being the number one. But again, there are all negatives against their names as well. Nick Pope hasn't played any international football. We all know about the season that Joe Hart's had this season. You've got uh, Butland at Stoke, who isn't getting much first team football either. Mm. And then you've got Pickford, whose team's currently wrong end of the table, although he has put in some decent performances. So, how'd you pick the best one of them? Well, again, in terms of this season, you look at the defenders that are in front of them as well, haven't you? You've got to be honest and say, well, OK, you know, what, what kind of a support have, have they had? And obviously Pope's been very, very good. 
I'm a big fan of um, I'm a big fan of Pickford. I've got I've got to say in terms of his his overall goalkeeping you know capabilities as a shot stopper distributions is 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 superb and he's just um, his anticipation and his movement is is very very good and I think he'll get better and better. But as you say, you know in terms of Joe Hart and Butland, you've got loads of experience there. I, I was I'm a huge fan of Joe Hart, you know over the years in terms of the City. But we all we all know that his form this season has been nowhere near at his level. To, to warrant a starting place. Mm. So I think at the moment in time, looking on form, you are looking at Pope and, and, and Pickford as the as the first two, but listening to Gareth Southgate before, I still think he's veering on the side of, 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 of experience in terms of Joe Hart, which I wouldn't necessarily agree with. The interesting thing I thought Gareth Southgate said, and I think he's going for Pickford tonight in goal, yeah. but as you say, whether he wants that for the tournament or not, he said there's a lot of football to be played. Mm. And he's still, by the looks of the squad he's picked, he is still experimenting. There's four players that haven't previously had international caps. Surely, by now, going into a major tournament, you know what you're doing. You have your squad picked. It's too late for experimentation, isn't it? No, I, I think he. I think in terms of the system that he wants to play, because I think he's still going to push with that with that three at the back. So you know, in terms of players that are going to play in that, you have got players that, that are suited because Maguire can play. Obviously, John Stones has. You've got Dyer in there. You've got you've got lots of options. But in terms of, I think what it is, Jim, is is looking at at different options as a as a succession plan. Players that might get injured, but also you always get one or two players that come into form at the right time, mm. and you can't discount that because there's a real positivity to build on the back of that and I think that's where he's looking because we've seen over the years in the Welsh, Scotland, Ireland and obviously England squads that there have been players that have forced their way in and even with in terms of Vardy, Vardy could go on a goal scoring streak now to end of the season and play his way in. That's what you want, you want that competition but he needs to make sure that he's sense checking different situations and scenarios and seeing how players deal with it and that's where there's a lot of information there for him to take out of these games. From a Man City and a Manchester United point of view, Mickey, there are players in here who haven't had massive amounts of game time this season. I'm thinking John Stones, who's slipped down the pe uh, pecking order at City for United, Marcus Rashford and Jesse Lingard. You're going to want them to have a good game tonight. Not get injured, stay fit, but at the same time, get a bit of confidence back, get on the score sheet and kind of build momentum for the rest of the season, aren't you? Well, I think to put themselves in in the mind of the manager Southgate, and they have to do well tonight, and they have to perform well to get any chance of starting that first game. But I just don't see it at the moment. I'm not being negative. I just think um, I haven't seen enough in England in the last few games to say they are going to go, they're going to change when they get to the final. They're going to be a super side. You know, the negativity you can understand from you know certain people like myself. Uh, I don't really see them going there and winning that tournament. But, but as a Welshman, know, as a know. Welshman, Mickey, surely that underdog card, you've seen it played well, to it, your yeah. advantage at the European Championships. Why can't England play that card as well? Why can't well, England be the dark you know, horses? Do you know why? Because of the record over the years in competition where they come out, have gone out against side like Iceland, keep mentioning that, you know, embarrassingly against them, they got beat. They, they've done it for, well, since 1966 and they've not win it since then. The reason is they, they underachieve. And I agree what Paul said, they have got good players, but I don't think got enough good players in that 11. I think there's one or two there that there's weaknesses, there's question marks. From a point of view of the United contingent that should play tonight, Jesse Lingard and Marcus Rashford, would you like to see them both starting and can they make a case for themselves well, to I play think, a key role for United for I the rest of the season? I think Lingard is probably a little bit off it at the moment. I think Not in, in performances, but I think getting that actually start. I think Rashford, I think uh, Paul mentioned earlier in the show, is he's the one player for me is a natural player that he would get in that starting level for me every time, if he's fit.
You know, I think yeah. Lingard may be on the fringe. I don't see him getting a regular. Rashford for sure. But again, Jim, you know, in terms of Rashford, you know, is he going to play as a centre forward or is he going to play out, yeah. out wide? You know, and he's not played as a central striker for, yeah. for quite a, a long period of time now. So mm -hmm. to, to step into that for the first time, if he is going to play tonight. If Kane didn't play Paul, would he, would he do that job? Uh, well, you know, he'd be, he'd be able to do it, but you've also got Vardy who plays that and, and, yeah, and would put yeah. a good case forward as well. So are you looking at Rashford to play on the right hand side, you know, and, and maybe challenge for Raheem Sterling? And then if you, either or, you've, you've got two very good players there who can do a job. And then obviously you can rotate left side and come off the shape and do all that. So you've got you have got options. But my frustration is is that you know mm. if players that that need to play football. Marcus Rashford needs to be playing week in week out, and he's more than shown in enough occasions for United to warrant that. And that's going to hamper the England England's potential if he's not playing regular football by the end of the season. If you want to get involved tonight, 0345 111 is the phone number. 87711 is the text number. Just time to read a couple of texts before we go to the break. What are your feelings on this? Chris says, I've had no interest in international football and particularly England in years. I'd say at least 10 years. It's a sad state when the Champions League is above the World Cup for quality and excitement. Can we agree with that, that actually the Champions League is where you witness the best football at the moment? <laughs> you, you could probably argue that, certainly in terms of the players that we'll be seeing. I mean, Barcelona on their day, you don't see a country that's going to beat them, do you? No. Really, not not on at, at the best. But there is something about that kind of that kind of change where you haven't you having to put all your biases to one side and just try and get behind your national team. And and again, when I was a kid, Jim, it was always it was always the fact that I was seeing Colin Bell, I was seeing Joe Corrigan, Dave Watson, Mick Shannon. You know, these players, Dennis Stewart was playing for England. You know, and you had United players, Brian Robson. You know, some amazing players, and you really got behind that. I think it's coming back. But I just don't. I don't think that necessarily it's going to be winning the World Cup that that will change that. I just feel as though there's more social media attention now. There's more focus. There's more more football. So I think we can get behind it. But the best thing about it is the fact that we're nowhere near favourites anymore. And I think no one really expects England. I don't think they expect them to do anything. And that this 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 time is a. And that's it's a going positive to be, somehow. And, and, but it is. It's pressure off. Go and express yourself, Sam. I do. Right. Yeah, I think what you said there. Not expecting to win it. I think that takes a lot of pressure off you. But I believe that isn't the case inside the camp. I think they, you know, they'll feel the pressure because the media will build on it as it gets nearer and nearer to the tournament. England are going to do this, as Jim said before. You know, but they never seem to do it. But Mick, it's the same as when, when Wales were playing against England. You know, yeah. Previously, you know, obviously the Gareth Bale kind of factor yeah. kicks in and, oh, can they do it? So every team have an expectation. Iceland did and, and, and overachieved against yeah. England. So every team in the camp secretly will want to win it. I think now it's just a case of how you manage it. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of inexperience in, the, in that squad, granted. But there's also a lot of, lot of you know, courageous, brave individuals that want to get on the football. So I, I, I'm quite excited, I really am. It's easy for us to be negative about football. At least England are getting to the major tournaments. The Netherlands haven't qualified for the World Cup again. They haven't been to a major tournament since 2014. And next... On the Excess Manchester Football Social, we're going to get a view from inside the camp with a Dutch football expert, and we're going to be speaking to ex-Manchester City defender Michel Vonk. That's all coming up next on the Excess Manchester Football Social. This is the Excess Manchester Football Social. I'm Jim. Good evening. We've got Paul Lake and Mickey T in the studio waiting to take your calls. If you want to get in contact, 0345 7625 is the number. 87711 is the text number. If you want to talk City and United, you are more than welcome to phone up and do that. As Latan Ibrahimovic has gone, Manchester United have launched their first ever ladies football teams. There is plenty to talk about on that front, but we're also talking about England versus Netherlands as well. 
Let me tell you a story, boys, that happened to me today, which my wife will kill me for, but thankfully she never listens to this show so I can get away with it. She saw that England were playing Netherlands tonight and she saw that the Netherlands were wearing orange and she went, oh, the Netherlands are wearing orange. I thought the Dutch wore orange. <laughs> so I had to explain to her that the Dutch and the Netherlands were the same team. And then she mentioned Holland. And I thought, it's time to go. I need to leave this conversation now. So it's an easy mistake to make. But that is who England's opposition are tonight. It's England versus the Netherlands. And I thought we'd get the inside scoop on the Dutch team for tonight. And we're going to do that with James Rowe. He's a Dutch football expert. He's a writer for footballorange.com. Evening, James. Good evening, fellas. How are you? Very well. Thank you for coming on and having a chat with us. We were talking about how disappointing it can be. Lakey wasn't. Lakey's very positive about the whole thing. But I was talking about how disappointing it can be being a England fan sometimes. From a Dutch point of view, I mean, you guys have had a rough time of it recently, haven't you? Yes, we have. Uh, you can trace the uh, the problems back to just after the World Cup in 2014, when the Dutch FA Canberra uh, Bay decided to uh, appoint Gersidink instead of Ronald Koeman. But the appointment of Ronald Koeman back in February is better late than never. But it's, a, it's a, an appointment which should have been made about four years ago. But tonight is, the, is the, where Ronald Koeman debuts as a Dutch national team manager. It's like the rebirth of the national team tonight. The Amsterdam Arena is completely sold out. Everybody's positive. Everybody's looking forward to it. There's five debutants in his first squad that he named. Uh, there's, they're likely to feature at some point during the game tonight. So everybody's looking forward to it. You say Ronald Koeman was the manager you wanted a couple of years back. Now he is the Dutch manager. I mean, as far as his spell in England went, I don't think he was massively impressive at Everton. That finished under a bit of a cloud. Do you think he's still the right man to take the Dutch team forward? Uh, yes, I do, primarily because of his experience at club level here in the Netherlands. Koeman has, man has managed PSV, Ajax, Feyenoord and Arsene Olegmaar. And, and at all four clubs, he was able to bring in young players and help them develop. Uh, and that's paid dividends. And I think that it's a, it's a big project ahead for him. It's an opportunity for him to improve. It's a job he's always wanted. And uh, it's, um, it's a real shot in the arm for the Dutch national team. And it's an opportunity for him to slowly build a team to be able to compete again in future. Obviously, there's a load of names in that Dutch team sheet that we recognise because they play over here in the Premier League. But there was another name that jumped out at me. Clivert. Mm -hmm. And it's not Patrick yes, Clivert, obviously. It's his son, Justin Clivert. Is he, I mean, is he going to live up to his father's legacy? Uh, well, in terms of how young he is and the performances he's putting in, he's doing extremely well. I'm fortunate enough to be able to watch Ajax firsthand here in Amsterdam. And for one so young to be able to take so much responsibility during Dutch league games, to get his team over the line, to attack more, to provide assists and score goals, he's, he's really doing ever so well. So I think he's, he's well on the way to becoming a very, very good player. He's still very young, there's a lot to learn, but he's, uh, he's made a great impression so far. Hi, I just want to ask a question in terms of the actual Dutch camp getting together. How how regularly are they able to sort of come come together and and and, and get a sense of what their starting eleven is going to be like? Well, what they've done is they've moved. Uh, the, they used to have the training facilities in a place called Norweg, but they moved to the recently renovated um, Dutch um, uh, football uh, campus uh, in Seist, where there's a big headquarters recently been renovated where there's a players hotel and uh, and premium pitches and able to train so that's going to be their base to go forward 
And in terms of the um, the squad, they say is playing all over Europe. But uh, as you can see with today's um, with today's match and the players that were um, called up by Ronald Koeman, nobody is has signed off. Everybody has attended all the uh, international call-up. They want to be involved, and it's a, it's a very good time. Top man, James. Thanks for coming on and giving us the inside scoop on uh, Holland for tonight's game. Cheers, mate. Appreciate that. You're more than welcome. Enjoy the game, fellas. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Cheers. Uh, that's James Rowe. He's a football writer for Football Orange, and we're going to keep it orange for the time being as well. We're going to speak to former Manchester City defender Michelle Vonk. Evening, Michelle. Good evening. How are you? Very well. Describe to me your setup for tonight. I'm assuming you're watching the Netherlands game. So how are you watching it? You're at home, big screen TV, couple of beers on the go. No, unfortunately, I'm uh, uh, on a way trip with my wife in Barcelona. We have a few days off because of the international game calendar. So uh, I took my wife for a few days, and uh, I'm hoping to see the game uh, a little bit tonight uh, somewhere in a, a Spanish bar. Sneaking out, sneaking out from the romantic date and watching a bit of football. Good, good man. Right, so you're an ex-player. If you look at that England team tonight, that you're, if you were playing for the Dutch national team, you'd be lining up against them. Is it the kind of squad, the kind of team that you'd be afraid to play, or would you be expecting a Dutch victory? Well, I think... Uh, the situation with the Dutch team at the moment is uh, is one of a new a new start a new bond a new uh, coach uh, Ronald Koeman he steps in as a new uh, in, a national team coach and he brought in uh, a lot of young players who are doing really well in Holland and uh, I think we're looking more to ourselves than towards the uh, the opponent which uh, uh, England is uh, tonight and and they're going to the World Cup and, and we don't but we're we're looking ahead so we're trying to uh, to see what the young players are going to do tonight. Does it feel like a bright future? Because, I mean, I know when England have changed managers, when Southgate took over recently, when Allardyce took over previous to him, it's never quite felt like a new dawn. Does it feel that, like that with Koeman coming in? Well, I've worked with Koeman and I, I know how he, uh, how he takes it really serious. And I think uh, his, his first move was to move the, the, the Dutch training facilities towards the national team uh, facilities in, inside, which is a good thing. Uh, he brought it home, uh, actually. And uh, that's also a signal for a new start and uh, that it means business. And he brought in a few players who've just been knocking on doors uh, recently. And, uh, and, and, well, he's trying to see what they're going to do for the future. Michelle, we can't let you go without talking about Manchester City. We've obviously got Lakey in the studio, who you would have played with at Main Road. Hi, Lakey. Hey, Michelle, you OK? Yeah, I'm OK, you? Yeah, very well, thanks, Paul, very well. And in terms of Manchester City, I mean, obviously, we've covered a little bit about Holland and your your, your knowledge and your expertise around that, we, we, we do know about uh, Vonky. But in terms of the Manchester City side at the moment, you're looking at, at certain players in the City team and um, we, we always talk about the, the, the great teams have got those key players. From afar, looking at from Holland, do, do, do you see that Manchester City now have got the same sort of level of quality of players as Bayern Munich, as Barca and Real Madrid? Yeah, I think they're, 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 they're getting there. I think the the way City is playing this year and the, the, the big lead in the, in the, in the, in the championship uh, is so phenomenal. And the way they're playing is, is great to watch. And everybody's talking about Man City at the moment. I think they have a, got a really good squad at the moment and uh, with a great coach. And they're doing really well. And, and they're knocking on doors. And I think 
it will be like that if they take a prize this year. If they can take a big prize, then, then they will be reckoning for the future. How does it feel looking at the city side now and the way they're playing and the facilities they have and comparing it with your time at Manchester City, Michelle? Yeah, I think it's a, <laughs> a night and day difference. Uh, the money that's brought in by Sheikh uh, Mansour and all the facilities they, they have nowadays, I think it was a great difference from then. And uh, it's nice to see. Uh, it's nice to see that City's doing so well, but it was also very nice that day. And uh, I think we enjoyed it as well, uh, Paul. We uh, did. We certainly did, uh, Vonky. And, and, and obviously you've seen that. You've seen that progression. And obviously from afar, you've seen how the Premier League has evolved and changed and the players that have been attracted into into the Premier League, you know, and obviously we all know as being fans of of, of great football, of of seeing the Holland side of the past, you know, and and not so much of you know recently, but some fantastic players. Do, do you get a sense, Vonky, that that the Premier League is is the league to be in at the moment? Uh, yes, yes, it's very exciting and very exciting to watch, and uh, I think uh, this. The fact that uh, and Liverpool, Manchester United doing well, City is doing really well. Tottenham is really uh, knocking on the door and has a, has a great team. I think the English uh, Premier League is uh, really uh, outstanding at the moment, and I think uh, all the, the football fans are looking to that competition every week with uh, with great pleasure. Before you go, Michelle. I want to know, because you played over 100 games for Manchester City, is there one game that you remember more than any other? Oh, well, that question I didn't expect, but uh, <laughs> there's been a lot of big games, big games, yeah. Uh, I think we had uh, we had some good games against United. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't win that too many in that days, but uh, I think we had an, an early kickoff game that was about 2-2. And uh, that was a great game. I think uh, those games are stand, uh, outstanding and uh, keep uh, keep being on the front in my mind from that, those days. So, uh, yeah, we had a lot of good games and uh, also uh, I enjoyed it very much. Top man, Michelle, thank you very much for coming on. appreciate your time and I hope you managed to sneak away from the wife for a couple of minutes and find the bar with the telly on a little bit later to catch some of the game. <laughs> Yeah, I surely do. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers, Vonky. Enjoy the game, guys, and uh, see you later. Bye-bye. Take care. It's Michelle Vonk, former Manchester City defender. Let's switch the focus slightly for you, Mickey, and let's talk about Wales very briefly because there was an important milestone that was reached by one of the Welsh players as Gareth Bale became the all-time leading goal scorer for Wales in the last week. Yeah, I mean... I think no one would argue, <coughs> excuse me, with his performances, not just for Real Madrid, but for Wales, he's been outstanding. Uh, a, a match win on his own, um, a, a game changer, can do everything. He's got great ability uh, to beat my mate, Rushy, in that goal scoring um, record. Uh, said from mate, Rushy, of course, because he was a natural goal scorer. Mm. Uh, but obviously, um, I have to say, Bell's a different, different gravy. I mean, like, you know, if you play against someone like him, how do you stop him? He's powerful. He's not a Ryan Geeks where he can dribble past sixes. You know, he's just a powerhouse, isn't he? No, he's a frightening, frightening player. But it's funny, you know, we're talking about Wales now, uh, Jim, and, and I was going to ask you, Mickey, you know, you look at, at Ryan Giggs, who everyone respects as a footballer, the fact that he's, he's got that particular job and, and obviously how Chris Coleman was in terms of man management and all the rest of it. Do, do you feel as though he's going to bring uh, a different tactical announced to Wales or is it going to be around 
Gareth Bale supporting him, rolling your sleeves up, you know, that, that kind of togetherness that Wales have always had? Or will it be, will he bring a different technical skill to that side now? Well, uh, you, you can't say much about China. I mean, they look a great outfit, but he played a high-pressing game, which, you know, I don't think Wales really did in the Chris Coleman. Um, you have to rely on the best player in the world, uh, in, certainly in Wales anyway, in uh, Gareth Bale. But uh, the worry I have, guys, is that the production line for Chris Coleman was magnificent. He was very fortunate that a group of players came through that time, like United had with you know, Neville's and that. And but whether that crop will keep coming through that system, whether the production line is going to still filter through to the first team, we'll have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. You know, because you know, looking at Woodburn and uh, Wilson, is called the other night. You know, a Liverpool player. That's what you're going to hope for, Lake, is that you get that quality coming through the system because. If you don't, then you're going to be stuck with overage players and you know playing players that you don't really want to be there. Obviously, on Gareth Bale, speaking of the overage players, his time's coming to an end at Real Madrid. It's not gone gone particularly well in the last few seasons. Would you take a chance on Gareth Bale at United? Would he fit in? Is he the well, kind of player you need now? Lakey to my left hand side. You're living in Spain, Lakey, playing for Real Madrid. <laughs> Fast amounts of money week week in week out. Do you really want to go anywhere else? Do you, you know, you've done it abroad. Come to Manchester, the best city in the world, Mickey. <laughs> well, I'd like to see him at United, but I'm not so sure whether that'll happen. I mean, he seems content in Real Madrid. I know the fans have been against him, but I think the manager, obviously, has that belief in him. Would yeah, you move? Yeah. I mean, would you want to move from Real Madrid all the, the sunshine? Thing, the only thing I would say, Mick, is that I, I, I think he's got unfinished business in the Premier League. Yeah. And, and, I, and I've all, I, I don't feel, and this is not in an arrogant way at all, because we know he's, he's world class, one of the best players in world <coughs> football, yeah. you know, is a Goliath. <coughs> but I just don't think he would fit into Man City's style of play. No. But I think he would be, you know, he'd be superb for United and he would send a shiver down the Premier League spine, lots of clubs, if he came into a, into a red shirt. But I think he, I think he's got, I say, that unfinished business. <coughs> and I, I think, think Mourinho definitely likes him, Jim. There's no question about he that. Feels he's like he's already United made that tonight. sort of aware that, uh, you know, he would like to bring him to Old Trafford. But like he said there, I'm probably going to agree with him. He might have unfinished business, you know, in in uh, the Premier League. Would he be tight to go back to Tottenham, or would another challenge might you know make him a better player? Right. If you want to get involved in tonight's show, oh three four five triple one seventy six twenty five is the number to call. Eight double seven double one is the text number. Can be anything we've talked about already, or can be something completely new around City or the United. The choice is yours. One thing we are going to talk about though is we've complained about refs a lot for the last couple of seasons on the Excess Manchester Football Social. And there is a team in the northwest around these parts that thinks it might be coming up with a solution to poor refereeing. We'll talk to a man from that team next on the Excess Manchester Football Social. Live from Manchester, the Excess Manchester Football Social. Call 0345-111-7625 and have your say. Winning with Gowing Law. This is the Excess Manchester Football Social. Paul Lake and Mickey Thomas taking your calls on 0345 or you can text in 87711 if you want. And we've had many arguments over the last couple of seasons about refereeing in the Premier League and refereeing at all levels not being good enough. A solution for that has often been cited that maybe former players should become the man in the black in the centre of the pitch when they hang up their boots. But... It's hard to see the likes of Gary Neville and co swapping the comfy commentary box for the black shirt in the middle. But Salford FC are looking to do something about that. Andy Gordon is the project coordinator for something they're doing at Salford City at the moment, encouraging players, academy players, 
to become referees or certainly take steps to becoming referees. Evening, Andy. Good evening. You right? Very good. Thanks for coming in. So explain to us exactly what the campaign's about and what um, the thinking behind it is. Well, we're just in the process of uh, setting up a community programme um, and we really want to get the young lads at the academy involved in this. And we sat down and we scratched our heads a little bit. And a few little um, topics always come round, and one of them is respect for referees. And we thought, why not have a kind of a three-pronged attack here, which is we'll give the lads a qualification, so we'll approach the FA and say, why can't you put them through a course that'll get them a qualified referee qualification? That, therefore, gives them the opportunity to stay in the game. Obviously, we'd love every single lad at the academy to turn out for Salford and become professional footballers, yeah. but unfortunately, we all know that might not be the case for all of them. So here's a great qualification that can keep them in the game. And then the third thing about it was there's loads of places in the community, there's homeless football leagues, there's disability provisions that are looking for referees at the moment, and there's a shortage. So we could have these lads that could go into the community. So they were the three areas that we looked at, and we thought, what a great idea to do approached the FA and they were like, oh, we, we, we've never had a, anyone you know, wanting to do that before. They said they've done stuff for rules awareness, but they, they found out the rules awareness. If you tell people the, the kind of how to bend rules, um, they'll push <laughs> it. There's one guy said the, an example was that um, apparently that it's not just one versus one in a drop ball. So they did a kind of a rules awareness and said to these lads, oh, did you know that as many players as possible could... Uh, the contest a drop ball and on Saturday they tried it <laughs> and uh, so it kind of backfired so the ref uh, the FA got on board they loved it they helped us put it across we got Chris Kavanagh the uh, premiership referee to get involved um, and it's been well received the lads loved it and they all passed and uh, it's been great Obviously, the long-term aims and the long-term results will be potentially players going into refereeing, as you say, when they yeah. graduate and when in, if it turns out that their careers don't lie as a player in football. But short-term, are you seeing these academy players that have done the course and got the qualification, are you seeing them showing more respect to referees in the game? Um, yeah, we are, actually, to be completely honest. I mean, we've still had the odd red card since, you know, I can't deny that. But, um, no, we really have. Um, and we spoke to the lads afterwards and we had a good chat through it. And uh, their responses were really interesting because they were even picking up on stuff that they'd done previously, you know, only, you know two or three mm. weeks earlier, and saying, oh, do you know what, maybe... You know, I was in the wrong. So to get a young young footballer to admit they might have been wrong <laughs> is, is is a great breakthrough. But um, the proof has got to be in the pudding. So obviously they they've already been asked to do certain things. And tomorrow, a number of them are going to be refereeing the national youth deaf football tournament in Manchester. So that's going to be their first proper experience. So it'd be right. great to see how they actually find it on the other side of the fence. Really, do you know what do you know? I mean, in terms of, I mean, ironically, my wife wrote. Uh, well, she was the ghostwriter for Howard Webb's book. Mm. So we've got a real sense of, you know, the referees. And, and I asked that question about former players. He said, well, it's open to anybody. But, you know, in terms of the actual course, it's all about life skills as well. And like you say there, standing up there in front of people and, and, and you know, having that control and having that pressure and responsibility, it gives you a different insight. And also, I think in terms of knowing the laws of the game, you know, I think there's still players that are playing now that are not really switched on in terms of exactly what the rules are in key moments. Definitely. So I think but, 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 it's yes. massively important, isn't it? But don't you think, to, to you especially, is that, Andy, is that with the new uh, rules coming out with VAR and that, you know, the referees are going to get questioned even more so in the future. Would you want that to happen to you when you're on that pitch and you make a decision that's going to be wrong maybe three or four times in that game makes you look an idiot? Oh, not at all. <laughs> no, and I think that's going to be the problem because they, they definitely want it to be in full time. 
they'll get it right eventually. But what is the point of a referee having, you know, being involved in a game now? Because everything he could be questioned on. But isn't a player who's played at a decent level, like the academy players at Salford, aren't they going to have a greater understanding of what's going on on the pitch? And that's the idea. Agree, so they yeah, should yeah, eliminate those mistakes or should help to eliminate those mistakes if they then go into full-time refereeing. But you, you can never, for me, have a perfect 90 minutes refereeing because, you know, you know how it is in football. You know, there is going to be decisions that you're not going to get right. And, you know, with VAR, I just think underlines the referee. I don't undermine But, Mick, I, I, I don't want to have a good game. I, I want them to, to, be, to be challenged. How are you going to deal with that? Yeah. And the same thing is on a football pitch, and there's always that decision-making is massively important. And the same in terms of those life skills that they learn. And like you say, not many of the boys, I mean, you want them all to make it as professional yeah. footballers, but they're not yeah. all going to. And, and you do want those, those self-same players that have got that ambition, I've got a bit of an ego about them, and have put themselves out there to be our next referees. I, I would bet any money that one of those lads comes through and, and makes it right to the top. Well, there's already a couple of lads that have gone out of their way and approached the local FA and got themselves doing some refereeing at the weekends as well, Brilliant. which is absolutely fantastic. Brilliant. But at the low level, Andy, you know, um, the lowest, I mean, that you can get, it can be quite... I think for me, scary for a referee because we've seen the physical abuse they get, you know, even from the parents on the church line. It's not easy to be a referee, is it? A young referee coming through the rank. Well, I, th I think that's easy. why there's such, you know, debate about, you know, the word respect and how it's, you know, thrown around yeah. and, you know, the respect campaigns and stuff. And hopefully what we've kind of done with these lads is yeah. a first step to kind of get respect right across the board. If, if young academy lads and maybe other clubs take this lead yeah. as well and say, do you know what, it's cost... X amount of money, but it's it's only cost two days of this kid's education. If that's going to benefit the game, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, you work with yeah. a lot of young players with your role at the Premier League, Lakey. Yeah, can yeah. you see youngsters actually getting involved in this and taking it seriously? And I can because there's there's lots of players that there comes a point, and Mickle knows as well as it, you, 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 the, the players that are good at certain levels, there comes a, a ceiling where they think, you know what? I'm a good footballer, but I know compared to the players that I'm playing with now, I know I'm not as good as these mm. guys. I'm not good enough. Yeah, you know. So what can I do that, that's different, that's going to give me that buzz and that excitement? I'm going to be in that theatre in front of thousands of people, maybe not as a, as, a, as a player, <laughs> as a referee. I think there'd be quite a few players because they've also, the thing is as well, you, 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 you can't underestimate the intelligence of lots of these lads as well, you yeah. know what I mean? And be able to handle the pressure is one thing, but having the football intelligence to be able to deal with it, I think there's a, uh, it's, it's a really good mix. I think, I think it's great what they're doing. So yeah, fantastic. Well, but yeah, we're really proud of it. And as I say, the feedback that we've got so far has been Maybe. phenomenal. I think it's better bigger than we could have ever imagined and yeah we are really proud of it but as I say the net death tournament on Saturday is going to be fantastic to see them flourish Brilliant. so what's next is it getting more people involved is it national rollouts can people get involved now well the, our plan is is to you know obviously to see how this has worked um, as I say so far so good and we're really pleased with it um, the academy is growing from strength to strength so we're going to have a new raft of lads next year so we can't see why not that we're going to do exactly the same thing. And then before you know it, we could have 50, 60 young lads with more, you know, intuition of the game, but then also helping the community. It's a win-win situation in our eyes uh, across the board. Top man, I think it's absolutely a great idea. Before you go, very briefly, let's talk about the football that's being played at Salford City FC because they're a team whose ambitions, I think, probably match Man City's ambitions <laughs> at the moment in terms of where they want to be. Eight games left of the season, top of the table. It's all looking pretty rosy, isn't it? Yeah, you say that, but I mean, <laughs> as, as a fan, uh, you've always got to uh, have the cynical side. No, it's looking all right. T top of the tree. You can't, you can't argue with that, can you really? But, you know, eight games to go and Harrogate are really playing well. So they're chasing us, um, yeah, chasing us probably, yeah. significantly. Um, you know, I, I, I believe we'll go up. I think we've got the squad, we've got the management to go up. I think it's been a little trickier than we expected, but, you know, 
top of the pile. Can't argue, can you? Top man. Andy, cheers for coming in. Cheers, Good luck with the project. Cheers, Thank you very much to Paul Lake and Mickey T as well. Cheers, boys. Cheers, Jim. We'll get off to watch the football, and that is it for the Excess Manchester Football Social for another week. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.